Hello and welcome to the Xcoders Community Podcast, the August 2020 edition. I'm Jared Sorge, and this month I'm joined by Eugene Berezin. Thanks for joining me, Eugene. Thank you for having me. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. How, how about you? I'm pretty good. It's, uh, it's finally getting warm here, and so I'm, I'm happy that summer has made its, made its way to Seattle. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> thanks, thanks for joining us. Um, can you give us a little bit about you and your background and uh, how you got into software and what you do? Yeah, sure. That's a lot of questions I just asked you at once. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm an iOS developer, and uh, my path to iOS development wasn't really uh, straightforward. I got intact. Uh, my background, uh, my educational background, is uh, behavioral health and clinical psychology, and I work as a clinical psychologist for a little while, and then I decided to go to tech, and uh, I started doing QA, mm-hmm. and uh, with QA, I pretty much from my first job, I started doing uh, test automation. Um, frameworks and uh, infrastructure, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, uh, one, uh, I think it was Alaska Airlines when I started working on iOS. And my approach uh, with uh, test automation always was uh, that I go native no matter what. If it is Angular, I do whatever Angular suggests. Or if it is React Native, I do whatever React Native suggests for their mm-hmm. like UI test automation. And for uh, iOS, it is XUI test. And uh, I started like digging into it. And also, it really fascinated me. And uh, I kind of started doing iOS development on the side like um just for um for myself and for one uh one of the boot camps they focus on QA but they don't have their own product so i started mm-hmm. working with them so i i i thought it was pretty safe place they are looking for bugs and i can i can do bugs <laughs> yeah so and then um I, at some point in my um uh, as that career, I decided that I don't want to do it anymore because I love uh, iOS and it's a lot more uh, fun and challenging and fascinating. And the job market is a little bit more focused versus like uh, as that like you you can get all kinds of like calls for different technologies. And I said, well, like I don't really want to do web or I don't really want to do anything with a back end. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I just, I just want to do iOS. And if I do something on the, like, as a, to support my team to provide, like, I don't know, like test automation suite for my app or our app, or do some sort of like backend validation before, uh, backend team releases it to us or like helping out the, uh, an engineer who works on the backend. I'm fine with that, but as as long as my main focus is iOS, like I'm cool with that. And yeah, I started doing iOS development. Very cool. So I'm I'm curious. My wife also has a background in clinical psychology, but she would never pick a tech job. So I'm wondering how you landed on tech from uh, the psychology career. Yeah. So um, in the behavioral behavioral health field unfortunately is severely underpaid and yeah. uh, uh, like it just like you have to work multiple jobs to like 
be able to support your family. Like when I was single, it was okay, mm-hmm. but like uh, when I started my own like family and like, I have another person to support, that kind of like income wasn't sufficient enough. And mm-hmm. I kept hearing from uh, my friends um, about like QA and how much people make on the junior level. I'm like, wow, you can make that much. <laughs> you can make I me. Mean, you can make twenty dollars per hour as a junior QA. No way! Like it's a like it's a super well, almost supervisor position in behavioral health. Certain sure. for certain works. So I decided to go there, like just for the money. And uh, as I was learning more about tech and like programming languages, I started liking it. And mm-hmm. uh, I think I finally settled. Um, I shouldn't say settle. I finally really found my passion in iOS. Because mm-hmm. like you, you know, like task automation is cool, but it's it's a little bit boring because you do the same thing <laughs> every day, and at some point it's so mechanical. Like oh, mm. and you kind of you you you're kind of happy when you get stuck on something. Because, oh, I finally can figure out how to solve this problem. So uh, yeah, and. Uh, like I uh, later on, like I said, I found my passion with like mobile development and iOS development. And how long have you been in the Seattle area? I've been in Seattle for about um, three years. Nice. And did you find Xcoders right away, or is it something you found later after moving? I found Xcoders uh, a little bit later. So when I decided to go to meetups, I was searching for. Um, Swift meetup or um, iOS meetup and uh, mm-hmm. Exodus came up and I used to work with Paul Garaki, so yeah. he also like very active in the community and he uh, mentioned Exodus. So and yeah, I, de- I decided to go and I liked that. That's cool. And you know, if we were able to meet in person, you've been a regular attender too. So I'm sure you would have been showing up just like everybody else. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. That seems like a recurring theme with everyone that I talked to on the show the last few months is when are we getting back to, to like in person and I wish I knew, but man, I miss it. Yeah, I miss, I miss Cyclops. Yeah, I hope it survives. I haven't heard it. I haven't heard anything either way. I just, you know, it's a small business and everyone's hurting right now. So I, I hope that they make it. Um, man, that's a downer. Anyways. <laughs> How are you surviving the the work from home apocalypse that's kind of upon us? Do you have a, a space that you can get stuff done, and is that going okay? Yeah, yeah. I actually like working from home, and me too. Uh, I do have my little like room, my office where um, I can focus on work, and it's mm-hmm. really nice. Um, it's it's like my office is my uh, studio where I record my videos and my stuff and working mm-hmm. on my stuff and um, what I do like when I finish work I just switch laptops and it's really it's really nice and like I yep. just put my work laptop away and like oh I'm done with work because mm-hmm. <laughs> it I try to leave it on for um, like overnight but every time I hear a Slack message like. Oh, I have to check it out. Like, what's going on? Like, what's up? And no, I have to shut everything down and switch laptops to know that, like, I can 
Well, and the, if it is a Slack message, it's my personal Slack or one of the like communities that I'm a part of. Yeah, that's very similar to me. Like, I've got a, a desk with a setup that can accommodate both my personal laptop and my work laptop, and you just have to swap from one to another, just a cable. And whenever I'm finished with work, I like unplug the work laptop, put it in the cabinet. I might even lock the cabinet if I'm really paranoid, even though I would I would never like need to access it aside from work time um but just like that nice like closure of you're you're done for the day um you mentioned your videos what kind of stuff do you do there so i have a youtube channel and uh initially i uh, started my youtube channel as my portfolio so whatever i know whatever i do i just like record and uh at first it was more so a soft skills kind of video what 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 to do, how to find a job, how to interact with uh, your fellow developers, different types of like testing and things like that. I was really scared of recording myself uh, code because like, you know, like when you put your coding out there, it's like a public PR. Everybody yeah. who is watching your video will point out what you're doing exactly wrong. But then I actually started enjoying that. And uh, I then later on, I started focusing on iOS and Swift and uh, mm-hmm. like pretty much whatever I discover at work or on on my personal time, I try to record it, especially if it is something really interesting. Like, for example, I found a way how to manipulate a third-party app with XCUI test, even if you don't have the access to the to their code base, and automate them. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and uh, I, I, I thought that it was super cool, and I recorded how to do that. Mm-hmm. Or, like, uh, for example, if I'm trying to solve a problem at work, and I finally found a solution, immediately, the thought that immediately goes through, through my mind, I'm not the only one, so why don't I just record this, like, video because mm-hmm. like who knows like i was that guy who was searching youtube for how to solve like a particular problem and i couldn't find anything so maybe a, <laughs> another guy who's searching yeah. for answers will find my video and it will help it will be helpful yeah totally that's kind of my philosophy behind when i write something up as a blog post um, do you do writing as well, or are you mostly doing video and screencasts? I do writing on LinkedIn. So on LinkedIn, you can write an article. Mm-hmm. So and normally, I would like if my video is too in depth, I try to uh, attach an article to it because not everybody needs to go through like twenty five minute video just to find one line of code how to do stuff, <laughs> so they can just look at the article yeah. like, oh like that line of code like this is what yeah. i need like i can like i don't care about everything else <laughs> so i i have one article on medium and i'm too lazy to upload my articles to medium i think hmm. they're not a sponsor of the show but i highly recommend something like micro.blog which is a really great blog hosting website that they're geared largely towards shorter like twitter like posts but you can post anything of any length um, and go for the longer articles and wrap that in your own domain. So like instead of, 
your linkedin.com slash eugene slash whatever like the url they give you is you get to pick your own domain and uh put all of your stuff there so that way you own your content and then you can like farm it out to linkedin or medium or whoever you want to cross post it to but i really like the open web and i like owning my own content and maybe that's just me but uh, if you can, if you can swing getting your own domain and a micro dot blog account, so spoiler or disclaimer is better than spoiler. Uh, they host xcoders.org and our podcast, and they've they've kicked in that for us complimentarily. Complimentarily, we we know uh, Brent and Manton go way back a little bit, so uh, Manton hooked us up with that, and so super thanks to them for all they've done for for Xcoders. But I've I was a backer of Microdot Blog. It the Kickstarter for it launched on my birthday on in 2017, I want to say. So I've been an early adopter of theirs, and it's really, really good. It's really, really good. Uh especially as a nice way to just like get started blogging with your own domain. That's the big thing, is just own your content, own your own domain. Um that's kind of like the next next level, I would say, for you. Nice. You I didn't ask for my advice, so it's unsolicited. But <laughs> I, I do have my personal website where I kind of created my little portfolio, mm-hmm. and uh, um, I uh, there uh, on the WordPress you can actually create a blog where you can mm-hmm. just—it's pretty much a blog in the way yeah. you can create your articles and like organize it like as as you like. I uh, so um, I used to have a different website awesometester.com but I sunsetted it because I don't mm. do anything related to testing and it's kind of weird <laughs> to push like iOS, very specific iOS topics there and mm-hmm. on my portfolio side uh, I'm just I, I just I'm just like too lazy to like go and organize it so, so I don't have just like my resume like look inside but also yeah. uh, like a something personal like articles and courses but at some point i have to do that and it can be whatever you want it to be like some people will make multiple websites with domains specific to whatever that interest is so like your awesome tester or you might have eugeneberezin.com or eugene.berezin.me or whatever it is that you want it to be and you might have multiple websites. That's a bit overwhelming for me. So I just have jsorge.net and I've had that domain for eight years now, I think. Something like that. I can't believe actually how long it's been. Um, and I've cycled through three blog engines with the same domain. Uh, I think I started on Tumblr and then I moved to Ghost and then I wrote my own blog engine that I've been on for the last couple of years. And that part's been a lot of fun. You don't need to do that. That's kind of craziness. But if you want to go ahead, I think lots of developers do it. Um, but the the biggest thing is just having it on your own domain, whatever that domain is, uh, is going to be a good way for you to be a stable place with long lasting links. And when, when people send when people send a link out to your website, they'll know that it's going to be reliable because it's your name and. Once you have that track record, then your stuff might get shared more and, you know, you get all the likes and subscribes and stuff and however that works on YouTube. So just wanted to transition a little bit about, uh, see what what you're excited about from WWDC. Apple had their big developer conference and you're an iOS developer and I'm an iOS developer. What's, uh, what's got you interested? 
So the first thing that like got my attention is uh, Swift UI. I think mm-hmm. Swift UI at this point pretty much baked, almost baked. <laughs> um, uh, but with the changes, like you can pretty much right now write, if not the entire app, the ma- the majority the uh the majority of the app in Swift UI, which is really mm-hmm. good. And uh, another portion is uh, widgets, and uh, I am very excited that Apple just went on uh, full support for uh, Swift UI for widgets. You can do widgets with UIKit. Yeah, you have to use Swift UI, right? Yeah, and then they scale from platform to platform to do what they need to do, right? From the watch all the way up to uh, macOS, which is really cool. And it's really exciting, and I think I think Swift UI is not going to kick in for about next maybe two years. It's pretty much similar to Swift and Objective C in a way, uh, but widgets is definitely a, a step to the right direction to bring um, Swift UI like to the community because a lot of developers would be interested in that, and uh, I know. Uh, some of my uh, some of the teams that I work with, they would definitely be interested in uh, in widgets, and um, in that case, they they have to use Swift UI when when they do so. Mm-hmm. Does your does your app that you work on for work have any Swift UI in it yet? Not yet, not yet. And like this is kind of like uh, unfortunate, not unfortunate, but this is the reality of iOS development. You have to support older versions. So right now mm-hmm. we have to support tw- iOS 12. And uh, with the iOS 12, you can't really support like a uh, different data source, for example, or like <laughs> new APIs that Apple released. And um, I can do you two better because we have to support back to iOS 10. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm working to get us bumped up, but... The the numbers there are super weird. We actually have more iOS 10 than 11 users, which I would not have guessed. Oh, wow. So I'm still working on making my case there. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, and uh, another thing that I'm really excited about uh, uh, from WWDC, it's a UI collection view that it got really nice addition for table view like look and sell. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm big fan of uh, uh, UI Collection View, and I try to use them whenever I can. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, having that, like sometimes you just need a like really a cell that goes from and from edge to edge, and you mm-hmm. don't like you, you don't want to just uh, um, do extra work to measure your item, like how <laughs> like how big it should be if it is like iPad or um, iPhone SE. So uh, with the uh, uh, with that API, it, it's pretty much there. So it may may make my work a little bit easier. Yeah, I'm definitely excited about that. And uh, um, compositional flow layout. Uh, it was announced uh, last year, and I think mm-hmm. it also a very nice way to uh, make um, maintenance for uh, UI collection view a lot easier. Yeah, totally. Totally. I'm so excited to ho- hopefully someday get get our team up on iOS 13. Probably not going to happen that soon, but at least 12 will let us deprecate a bunch of stuff. And then 13, we can bring in difficult data sources and compositional layout. And we do so many complicated layouts from 
screen different screen sizes to different arrangements and oh, it's such a pain in the neck <laughs> it's such a pain in the neck um but we'll you know we'll get there <laughs> the swift ui pieces i've been working on a new app myself and it's amazing how little code you need to actually write to get an app up and running on all the platforms like it's nuts. I was not expecting to see that this year, and it's super cool. So yeah, I, I totally, totally agree with what you're saying there. That's very cool. Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, I wish Apple included a search view control or a search view in Swift mm. UI, because if you have some sort of like uh, filtered list, you have to implement it yourself. You have to implement mm-hmm. some sort of like a text view or text field. And then and based on the value from that text field, you have to sort your list and mm-hmm. display display correctly. There is a way to do to do so, but I really like how search uh, bar or search view controller would do that. And search view controller can actually do more than that. You can display table table view like a view for suggested search results so you don't have mm-hmm. to type it in so yeah. i wish swift ui included it because it is such a popular feature in ios apps every app that has a search bar has some sort of implementation of a search view controller yeah it is a little difficult to, difficult to work with in ui kit and it has some oddities to it like you have to if you pin the search bar to the top of the screen then it will interact with your navigation item to become the navigation bar and like that whole transition is kind of weird i don't know how they'll do that in swift ui but i i think they're probably just kicking that can down the road just a little bit because it is i would imagine a more difficult implementation uh have you done a lot with swift ui to this point well uh i was just practicing like on different like tutorials and uh i'm i was going to start my own app uh mm-hmm. to track my finances with swift ui but i haven't gotten there yet but <laughs> like i agree with you it's really it, it, at first it is a little bit confusing because you're so used to ui kit and you're so yeah. used to like the way you do things but as soon as you kind of get a hang of uh, on the a Swift UI, you don't want to go back to UI Kit because, like, you can do like I like you said, you can do so much more mm-hmm. um, and really beautiful UI with uh, with a very little code. Uh, mm-hmm. You uh, certain animations or certain UI components that you can do with Swift UI. It would take me like days to figure out how to do it in Swift in, in UI Kit. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, it takes me days in Swift UI to do it for a different reason, though, because I'm still just learning how it works, right? But once you learn how it works and hopefully can internalize it some, then you'll be able to move a lot more quickly. But at this point, I'm still moving pretty slowly in Swift UI. I do really like, uh, like I was saying before, the the app scaffolding pieces so like my new app will require big sur and ios 14 just because i don't want to deal with a lot of that other stuff uh, as as like the app uh, scaffolding to get things spun up i'm using a document-based app which is different from what i've done in the past and just having that template already do that all for me and interact with the document browser the open and save panels and all that 
is really, really, really nice. So I'm excited about where it's going. For me, the thing that I would really like to see them tackle is rich text. There's no solution to like attributed strings and marking up strings with with this range is bold and this range is italic and maybe this range is a different size or or the really rich text attachment system that we have in UIKit with with attributed string. Because uh, I'm building a, a text editor and uh, I want to put images in line to it as well. So none of that is in, is in Swift UI. So I have to dip down to UIKit and wrap that. Um, so I'm, I'm learning a lot and I hope, hope the app will be out right around when the new stuff drops, but we'll see. It's a side project. <laughs> I think Apple will step-by-step, step, uh, be improving, uh, Swift UI because, mm-hmm. uh, the, the oh, yeah. first version, it, it was, it was overwhelming with what they did there. And now they, uh, in, include a, a great view, which like basically, um, collection view that we would normally use in um, UIKit. And I think if Apple just released everything and anything that they want to release, it would have mm-hmm. like it would have been a little bit more overwhelming for the community because like it's a different way to implement things. And I, I kinda like that gradual development for Swift UI because you don't have to just learn all those like APIs at once and like once you consolidate knowledge about like what uh, one piece of uh, API, then like you, uh, you, for example, if you know list view, grid view will be a lot easier uh, yeah. and, and so on and so forth. And um, yeah, I think I, I kind of like that uh, gradual pace of Apple. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's uh, it's fun to work with and it's really interesting to see where they're going to go with it. I'm yeah, me too. Cool. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks for hopping on to the show. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for having me. And thanks everyone for listening and we will talk to you in September.